When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Immediate effect is the nothing personal word of the day for November 23rd, 2022. It is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Immediate effect. I like that in statements. Ronaldo's leaving. The World Cup's going on. Everyone's focused right now on what's going on in Qatar. It's exciting. The games are great. They're on from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m., 3.30 and then all of a sudden we get news that Ronaldo is gone. He and Man you are getting divorced, a full-fledged divorce. And I like it when announcements like that get made with probably the greatest of all time, Ronaldo. I think we could argue it, but amongst the greatest of all time. And it's not just that they're splitting up. They're splitting up with immediate effect. I think that means that when a player leaves a team, I was trying to think of a time when a player would leave a team as a free agent and it would be announced with immediate effect. It would only be announced at the end of a season, not in the middle of a season, unless you're releasing the player. You could say, we are releasing the player with immediate effect, but when you release a player, it does have immediate effect. That's a total redundant statement. Or you could say, we, have, we are signing this player with immediate effect, but that would only mean that the player is starting with you now, so that would have to be in the middle of a season, and they're ready to go right now, no training, no nothing. It's as though they wanted to make sure that we understood that this was not going to be a long, drawn-out negotiation, a long, drawn-out player buyout. This was not going to be something they were ever going to talk about again. When you say immediate effect, you want to cut the conversation. You want to give your statement, you want to let the player give his statement, and then you want to not discuss it again. Man, you would have liked to have stayed completely out of the news other than Ronaldo is leaving them. Now, why would a player like Ronaldo want to leave Man U? Well, he gave this interview that people are talking about to Piers Morgan, and he's very disappointed with the team. He's disappointed with the Glazer family. He's disappointed with the coach. He's just disappointed with everything, wants to win more than they're winning. And meanwhile, Man U has no choice but to take the high road because you're talking about Ronaldo. Make no mistake, if this were any other player, 
other than maybe three or four in the world, they may have decided to do something differently. But when you are doing something and letting go of a superstar, it is very tricky, a concept that we've talked about plenty on this show. And Ronaldo is the super of the superest of the superstars. And so, man, you had to say, we thank you. You know, the usual. We thank him for his immense contribution, not just small contribution, but immense contribution across two spells at Old Trafford. And then talked about his goals. And then what everybody does, which always makes me laugh, we wish him and his family well for the future. No owner wishes a player and his family well or a manager and his family, his children well. Does that, does that happen? Like when you lose your job, does the head of HR come in and say, excuse me, you're fired, but we wish you and your family well. It's so preposterous. Can you imagine like the Glazer family and Ronaldo's family, they all hang out together and the Glazers, the owners of Man U and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a thing that we say or they say because we want the fans and the supporters to believe that we're not the bad guys, that we're not doing this as a business decision. We're not doing this to save money or make more money or make money, period. We're doing this in the best interests of the results on the pitch, and we want to win more, but we're very sympathetic people, so we want our player who we're getting rid of and his family to do well. All right, so Manu goes through this process. Ronaldo does a statement, and it's fine. Doesn't really, not, not a great impact. And that's it. Manu's out of the news. Everybody can react to it. The talking heads at the World Cup can mention the fact that Ronaldo is right now getting ready to play for Portugal. I think their first game is today or tomorrow um, on Thanksgiving, which I don't think is celebrated in Qatar. So there will be games, many games, without turkeys. And, uh, <laughs> and so the focus is on the World Cup and Ronaldo and Portugal fun. But then later in the day, the bombshell report broke that finally the supporters of Man U were gonna get their wish after all of the parades and all of the protests and all of the anger and all of the frustration. Yippee Kaye, Man U is doing what teams do, what owners do when they're in trouble. Say it with me, exploring strategic alternatives. I love that. Who are they kidding? Man, you announced that they are selling. The Glazers are finally selling their team. But no, they can't say that. They have to say, Manchester United announces today that there will be a process to explore strategic alternatives for the club. <laughs> I love that. We're going to consider everything, including a new investment into the club, they said. That means bringing in a limited partner. Good luck with that. A sale. You hide that in the middle when you don't want that to be the lead story. And then, or, because it can't be both. There can't be a new investment to the club and a sale, but a new investment to the club is a sale because if someone invests in the club, that means they're going to be buy the shares of the existing shares of somebody. Or other transactions involving the company. Hold on, let me think. What are the other transactions when you're running a business in your business other than 
bringing on a partner or selling the general partnership shares or the controlling interest shares. Hold on, let me think about what the other strategic alternatives are. Oh, I guess Man U could just buy Barcelona or they could buy Inter Miami. That would be a transaction, that'd be good. Or maybe they'll sell the Buccaneers, take the money and put that into players for Man U to try to appease the supporters. I guess, okay, that's a good one. That's a good strategic, strategic alternative. No, just say it. You're selling. Then they go on in the statement, Man U, to explain to you, in case we're stupid, what all the possibilities are. They're hiring someone to help them assess several initiatives to strengthen the club. And that could be stadium and infrastructure redevelopment, they said, expansion of the club's commercial operations on a global scale. All in the context, this is important, of enhancing the long-term success of the club's men's, women's, and academy teams. And, thank God, bringing benefits to fans and other stakeholders. What a bunch of horse hockey. When the Glazer family wants to cash out because they can't stand the bad press, they can't stand not being able to go to a game and being booed, they can't stand the benefits of ownership, which are at least in your home city or somewhere around the world or around the country, being able to say, yeah, we're the owners of Man U, aren't we awesome? Come genuflect in our general direction, kiss our papal ring. This is great, isn't it? Turns out that when Americans, who I think now are controlling what is it coca nine of the 20 teams does that sound something something right in england nine of 20 teams in england coca told me this morning are controlled have american owners or investors it's a pretty big number right it's very upsetting to people in england so the glazers may have just decided they've had enough but what makes them try to convince you that it's not just a sale. So when you have decided what you're doing and make no mistake, the Glazers are not hiring people to go through strategic alternatives the same way Daniel Snyder is not, the same way Robert Sarver just came out and said, yeah, we're selling everything. But he started by saying, yeah, we're looking at maybe doing something, exploring. You always say that because you don't wanna look desperate. You don't wanna look like it's a distressed sale because that has a quashing impact on the price. So you have to announce as though buyers are gonna believe you. Yeah, we're looking at everything that's possible. We'll see if any bids come in. The Nationals just announced that in baseball, the Orioles in baseball. It's standard for these owners to announce it that way, but the potential buyers don't read it that way. So if you're not trying to get the right information out to the buyers, and you're not fooling the buyers, are you trying to fool the fans or the supporters? But why would you do that? Is that because you don't wanna unring a bell or have toothpaste fall out of the tube that you can never get back in? Because you believe that if you just say, hey, we're selling no matter what, that means that people will lowball you? It's not a contract, folks. When you make a PR announcement that you are selling your team, you don't have to sell your team. You can lower the payroll, you can increase the payroll, you can help what's going on with their stadium, or you cannot. You can invest in Old Trafford, or you can say, nah, we're not gonna upgrade it. 
That's the whole point. You own the team. You get to decide. Short of a court order demanding the sale of your team, short of a bankruptcy, which is also done in court, doesn't matter if you're old, dying, divorced, getting divorced, going to strip malls, none of it matters. It's your asset. You can put it on the market and then take it off the market. It's not ideal to put a house on the market and take it off the market because what that says to the market is, wow, no one hit the bid. No one hit the ask is really the way to say it. There's, there's, there's an expression we say, hit the bid. It's actually when you want to sell something, you are asking for a price and then people are bidding what they want to pay and the ask and the bid, but people always say the bid and the ask. I guess you could start with an unsolicited bid if something's not for sale, because everything's for sale. We know that. It's just a matter of price. But you don't have to go through these strange machinations, these funny hoops where you have to contort your body trying to fool people. Who are you trying to fool? The universe of people. Todd Bowley, you just bought Chelsea. Remember that whole conversation we had about Chelsea? That team was sold, I think, what was it, two and a half billion euros, something like that. It's a pretty big deal. Two and a half billion pounds, probably. There's no euro. We should know that in England. So that was Chelsea saying, hey, we're selling. And they had all, they had an auction. And then remember when uh, the owner of the, of the Cubs, oh my God, Coca, <laughs> Ricketts. <laughs> the owner of the Cubs flew over to meet with the supporters and say, uh, you're going to have a voice in this. We're going to do everything for you. And then Bowley got it, one of the owners of the Dodgers. Do you think that those guys, when they were bidding on Chelsea, that their bids were different because they weren't sure whether Chelsea was going to take which alternative that they were strategically exploring? It doesn't work that way. No sophisticated investor cares about what is said in the media, what is said in an announcement. But supporters tend to read these things and say, wow, I guess there are all sorts of different options. One of the things that is going on right now is that when Chelsea got sold, when these franchise valuations, believe me, they look, the Glazers looked at what the value of the Broncos was. They're looking at what the valuation is of teams across the world. They look and they see that we are heading into a recession potentially. Those don't last forever. Cash crunch, inflation, age, estate planning, exhaustion, bad PR, losing. Sometimes you just look in the mirror and say, that's it, I've had enough. And so you say you're just gonna sell and you know that you're gonna get a magical price, you're gonna get a record price. One of the things that you also try to do when you're dealing with international business, you are far more focused on the dollar than we are here. When you are just doing business in the US, you are focused on the value of the dollar as it relates to the value of the dollar. You're focused on inflation. You're focused on any sort of purchase price squeezing on pricing of goods for your company, for your home. 
you're not really focused. They do articles, right, on CNBC or all the business channels on the strengthening or weakening of the dollar in the foreign currency exchange market. You look at the exchange with the euro and the pound and the yen and the peso, and none of that really impacts you unless you do business globally or unless you travel where you realize that things are cheaper now in Europe or in Canada or in London. But you don't make a decision. So there, there are people who have said, wow, this is really an interesting time right now to sell because the pound is at a like a 40-year or a 37-year low. At least it was a few months ago. And so what that means is that it's cheaper to travel. So let me just give you an example. If you go to a hotel and they're charging you 800 pounds, and it used to be that that equaled $1,200, and now it equals $800. That means you get the same night in a hotel, but in your mind, you are getting 33% off. If you are selling an asset in pounds and you keep it in pounds, then it doesn't matter what it is relative to the dollar. But if you sell an asset and receive pounds and you have to convert them to deal with other businesses that you have in the US, it has a huge impact. But when you are selling a team, you have the ability to decide what your price is going to be, what your ask is going to be in the currency in which you need the money. So guess who will pay for any fluctuations in foreign currency valuations? It will be the purchaser. They will have to make up if there's a change in the value of the pound because the ask for the value of the team will reflect the change in currency. Now, what's the baseline number? Every owner who sells a team has a baseline number. They have a number, like when you budget, a worst case scenario, a base case scenario, and a best case scenario. You do that with your revenue, you do that with your expenses, you also do that with the value of your team. Just like you do when you're selling your house or selling your car, what do I want, what would I settle for, and what would I dream about? And if you don't have to sell something, you keep going till you get the dream. If you are desperate for money and you need to raise cash because you have expenses, because you have debt, then you have to settle. The Glazers do not have to settle. The Glazers can dream which means the value of the pound doesn't matter. It means it doesn't matter if they're losing games. It doesn't matter if Ronaldo's on the team or not. When you have the ability, because of your net worth, because you have no cash crunch at a particular moment, when you have the ability to dream, nothing else matters. Even the actual fundamentals of the company. It'll be interesting to see what's gonna happen but I'm gonna give you a wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you this is gonna happen. And when it doesn't happen, I'll revisit it, I promise. When it does, I'll revisit it, I promise. Man U is not exploring strategic alternatives. Man U is selling. There will be a buyer in full, not a limited partner, not a partial stake. Someone is buying Man U from the Glazers. 
now. It'll take a year, but this entire team is going to be sold. Wait to see. All right, you guys had a ton of questions on this issue, and we were not able to get to it so far Monday, Tuesday, but today is Wednesday, the 23rd of November, and we are going to get to this because I do want to answer this question. Go ahead, Coca. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. There is no better time to watch Half-Baked than on the day before Thanksgiving. Although it is the one holiday that I would encourage anyone who enjoys being half-baked to not because you're not looking to actually pretend that you're hungry when you're not, given the size of the meal to begin with. But today's Wednesday, biggest party day of the year. I don't know if you knew that, Coca. The day before Thanksgiving is the single biggest party day of the year. So let's be careful out there. Good morning, David. Good morning. Was wondering what happened financially to the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns game that had to be moved to Detroit. Did the Lions make money on the deal? Did the Bills lose out? What about Cleveland? What about the logistical moves and costs? P.S. The Bills are back in Detroit for Thanksgiving. Go figure. So that is a question from somebody, thank you, but many of you had a very similar question, and we haven't discussed what happened with that crazy snowstorm in Buffalo. I think it snowed 17 and a half feet, or maybe it was 32 and a half feet. It was something unbelievable. I think it was like seven feet. Still totally crazy. The NFL had to move the game. There was a game in Buffalo between the Watsonless Browns and the Josh Allen potentially injured Bills. Coca, side note, can we have this conversation while we're rolling? Do you remember we talked about if we should just, the Bills aren't going to lose this year? And I told you and you told me that this is why, David, stop this. Don't even think like this. But I said, just take the Bills every single week and we'll make a fortune during the course of the season. Just take them on the money line. Doesn't matter if it's 300 or 200, just take them. It hasn't exactly worked out that way. You were right, Coca. Thank you for being the voice of reason inside my ear. So the NFL was following this snowstorm. It was a no-brainer. It would have to move to a neutral site. Here's the process. What the league does when they're searching for a place to play, they start in concentric circles around where the team was supposed to be because they want to, in theory, play as close to the home stadium as possible in order to make the travel as easy as possible for the home team who is now going to have to host a neutral site game instead of a game at home. They are remiss to cancel or move a home game because you are hurting the fans. You are requiring fans to be refunded. When you buy season tickets, you are buying for eight home games, sometimes nine home games, depending on the 17-game schedule, whether it's your year to host nine or be on the road for nine. Plus, you're buying a preseason game or two as part of the package. And when a game is not played, a team has a choice. They can either refund that money in every account or they can apply the value of your ticket to next year's season tickets so the value is in your account and then require a 12-step process for you to get your money back if you don't want to renew, although the view in the NFL is that everybody renews because there's waiting lists galore for many of these teams. So as a fan, you are getting a refund, if you will, of the value that you can apply next year, this year, whatever. 
as a sponsor, as an in-stadium sponsor, when you buy a deal in Buffalo at their facility, you're buying it for all regular season games. You generally do straight line amortization, which means that if you are paying $800,000 for eight games, that's $100,000 a game. If there is in-stadium signage that you are not getting for a game that is canceled for whatever reason, the contract calls for a make good, which means that you will get $100,000 worth of extra value the following season or spread out over the remaining years of your sponsorship deal. It could be that you're associated with a giveaway. It could be that you get an extra half inning behind the plate or an extra run on the ribbon boards at a, at a football stadium. Whatever the case is, you get made whole. So the sponsors are fine. The ticket holders are fine. What about the players? Totally fine. They get their annual salary. Part of what contracts that you sign with players there is nothing in a contract which says that 81 games will be played in the home stadium there could be provisions that are negotiated but are not standard where a player would say if we are on the road and this would happen in florida from time to time if we get displaced because of a hurricane we i want you to pay for my family to relocate with me to our new home area if we're playing 20 games in a worst case scenario of a hurricane somewhere else we want you to pay for this pay for me to fly home to my family while we're on the road if we're playing internationally, pay me extra. You can negotiate those types of provisions, but the standard contracts do not call for anything different for players if a game is moved. So players get their salary, they're good. The rule when you play a neutral site game because of a hurricane or a snowstorm, the road rules apply to both the home team and the road team. What the road rules are is you get a per diem, you get first class hotel. So all of the, you don't get a higher pay rate, but you get things paid for when you're on the road that you don't get paid for at home. At home, you do not pay a player a per diem for meals. It's like when you travel for business, you get, you get a per diem for your expenses, your meal expenses, not like shopping. So when a team is moved when a game is moved to a neutral site, both teams are treated like road teams in terms of per diems, et cetera. The home team takes the home clubhouse in a neutral site. The visiting team takes the visiting clubhouse, the, who was supposed to be the home team. The reason that matters is home clubhouses are nicer than visiting clubhouses. In baseball, in a neutral site game, if it's your home game that was moved, you bat last. In football, when you're the home team, you get the advantages of the of the pregame warmups at the time you want, etc. Everything happens according to the schedule as though it would have been played at your home stadium. What about the money? Well, when you're looking for a neutral site to play, first you go close to the home city as possible. Then you talk to the stadium operations people, or really they call it team presidents, the NFL would call the team presidents of each of the teams in the surrounding area, and they would say, hey, you're on the road that weekend. Is your stadium available? Then they narrow it down. They find out which stadium is available. And then they came upon Detroit. They're available. It's close. It works. Then there's a negotiation between Detroit and the NFL because every time you turn your lights on, it costs money. 
when you open your gates, when you host a home game, you have expenses, stadium operation expenses. Just every time you turn on the Jumbotron, it's $35,000. So you have all of these security expenses and police, off-duty police inside the facility, outside the facility, first responders inside and outside the facility. You have ushers, ticket takers. You've got the cleanup crew that has to come after the game. It's as though you are hosting a game. When you host a game, you get the revenue from that game. When you're hosting a game that you don't get the revenue from, and the Lions did not get the revenue from the Bills game against the Browns, what they say to the league is, hey, we're happy to give you our ballpark, but make us whole. So then the Lions make a spreadsheet. They give it to the NFL, and the spreadsheet goes through all of the expenses, including if they need to get corporate sponsorships in there, including uh, meaning people who work in the corporate sponsorship area because they're going to be hosting things for corporate sponsors of the Lions, or is it of the Bills? When you are a corporate sponsor of the Bills, you don't want to have in-stadium opportunities in Detroit because, in theory, you are trying to appeal to fans of Buffalo. This is non-TV in-stadium signage. So there's a level of expenses. You go to the NFL and you say, make me whole. Teams, when they host neutral site games, do not profit from hosting those neutral site games, but they do not lose a penny. So the Lions are taken care of. Now, let's talk about the Bills. What happens to them? When a game is moved, they call the NFL, they go through what their lost revenue is, and they appeal to the NFL and say, hey, will you please make up the revenue that we are going to lose? Because let's say the Bills can charge more for their tickets for a Bills game in Buffalo than the Bills and the NFL can charge for a game in Detroit, which means the total amount of gate revenue for the home game played in Detroit is less than the home game played in Buffalo. Buffalo puts on a spreadsheet what that difference is, goes to the NFL and says, make it up for us. There are additional expenses. When you do your air charter deal, as an example, you do it before the season and you plan all of the flights. The flight from Buffalo to Detroit and back, which they had to do, was not on the schedule. So that's an additional cost. Do it roughly based on $20,000 an hour. So if the flight from Buffalo to Detroit is an hour and a half, that's three hours of flying time, $60,000 that the Bills had not planned on spending, that goes on the spreadsheet, that goes to the NFL. The NFL will make the Bills whole, and they have a mechanism to do it the same way baseball does. There is discretionary money. There are pockets of budgeted money that the NFL does and Major League Baseball does, and these pockets of money are the what you call in your family the rainy day fund. The rainy day fund, we used to call it, I was much more morbid when I had small kids. When we were doing budgets, we would say it's the WDF. This is horrible to admit, Coca. The Who Dies Fund. The Who Dies Fund is things that just come up during the course of a year that you don't know what they are before the year, but they happen and they require you to do something that is an extraordinary expense. So you have to fly somewhere to a funeral or you go to the emergency room because your kid needs stitches or your car breaks down or you need a new roof because all of a sudden there's a tree falling on your roof and there's a difference in your insurance and what they'll cover. Something happens every single year. 
Some people call it miscellaneous. They take a percentage of their overall operating budget. They put it a miscellaneous budget item and they put a certain amount of money and that is like the slush fund money. I call it the WDF. Cleveland, whether they go to Buffalo or to Detroit, they do the same equation. The per diems are the same, but they look at the price of the hotel in Detroit versus Buffalo. They look at the price of the charter because if it's cheaper or more expensive to fly to Detroit than it was to Buffalo, then they go to the NFL as well. So all of these things are happening. Got that? Good afternoon. All right, when we come back, we are going to review the new Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds and Octavia Spencer movie on Apple that I watched yesterday. And we may, we just may have to talk about LeBron James and the Lakers. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca coming to you the day before Thanksgiving. Coca has agreed to work on Thanksgiving. We will have a show for you tomorrow morning. Not much new content out there from your other shows, but we will be new. Thanks for rating, reviewing, and subscribing and telling your friends about us. We might as well keep going. So you know I watch a movie every day and I love your suggestions. I keep lists of what to watch. But every time there's a new movie out, on Apple or Amazon, I'm gonna try to watch it. And if there's a Will Ferrell movie, I'm watching it. He's one of those actors, really Ryan Reynolds is one of those actors too, that if there's a movie, I wanna see it. Will Ferrell is an example of an actor, and I've talked about actors like a, a Robin Williams who people thought was just a funny Mrs. Doubtfire comedian, but was one of the great dramatic actors that we've come across. Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, I've given you examples of great roles that he's done that are not Happy Gilmore type roles that people don't take seriously enough, but they should. Will Ferrell is another example of that type of talent. He is not just Frank the Tank from old school 
or the guy who crashes funerals and wedding crashers. He's made some of the best movies, Stranger Than Fiction, Everything Must Go. These are serious, interesting, beautiful movies. So he's coming out with a movie with Ryan Reynolds called Spirited, and I thought it was a Christmas movie, but I didn't know anything else about it. Guess what? It's a musical. Did everyone know that but me? It's a reimagining of A Christmas Carol where Will Ferrell takes Ryan Reynolds on a journey to say, hey, this is your life. This is what an absolute D-bag you've been. Do you want to get better? Can you be redeemed? And it brings up the interesting question, can people be redeemed? Is it too late? Do they have to die to be redeemed? Can they be redeemed in their life? Can they change that much that they can change what they've been to who they are? I'll tell you, I'm up to like the first E after five years trying to redeem myself from some of the things that I had to do in my last job. I think I've, I've done the R, the E, the D. I'm up to the second E of three like three B's in Babar. Yeah, just not together. <laughs> so all of a sudden you're watching the movie and then they're singing. I give Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds a ton of credit and you should give them two hours of your time. People are complaining about the running time, not me, I would have taken more. And believe me, when you get to the credits, it's gonna be worth it. Not because of a Marvel-like situation, but it's better. So Will Ferrell can sing, Ryan Reynolds can sing. It's not like Russell Crowe in Les Mis. It's not as though it's miscast. There's humor, there is emotion. There are some catchy tunes, but it's not like the first Enchanted or other movies where you w walk out of the theater and you're just singing the songs, you can remember the lyrics. I think after watching the movie, 10 minutes later, there was one song that I could remember and think about, but that doesn't mean I did not enjoy it. So Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, check it out. You won't be sorry. Did you see what happened yesterday? We didn't get to it yesterday, but we're getting to it today. And I find it to be amazing. And I'm going to tell you why. And I have to step carefully here, but I never step carefully, Coke. I don't, I'm not stepping carefully. There is a girl now playing on a Division I guys baseball team for the first time ever. Brown University, the Ivy League, but it's still Division I. There's a freshman named Olivia Pichardo, and she made varsity baseball. They announced their team already, and she made it. She's like a utility player. She played the infield, she played the outfield. Totally made it. So let me ask you this. Without risking your ire, what is your view of a woman playing on a men's baseball team? Do you take the view? I was thinking about what would happen if a man wanted to play on a woman's baseball team. They'd go try out, wouldn't they? I think they'd make the team, right? Let's pretend it's a varsity style quality male player who wanted to play on the female softball team. How do you think he would perform? I think he'd probably hit cleanup and potentially go three for five with two home runs every day, maybe more. Overpower pitching, likely if it's a pitcher. We're not talking about Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs here. 
But there is Brown University among many institutions where they're obviously quite, quite liberal, where their view is that Title IX and equality means that if a woman can make a men's team, let's do it. And this is not me talking about women who are now refereeing and umpiring in football. I am all for that equality. I want women referees. I want women umpires. I want anybody who's good to be able to have any job that they're good enough to do, regardless of age, sex, sexual orientation, gender, lack of gender. I am a bottom line person. If you can do the job better than the person next to you, I want to hire you. I don't want to hire someone who can't do the job simply because I want to look as though I'm hiring someone who is a different color or a different age or a different sex or a different gender. My job is to hire the best people for a job. Part of that is putting money into training, trying to recruit people of all different types, ages, sizes, genders, weights, trying to get them to train to be able to do the job. Something MLB is doing, they're starting with MLB University as an example, led by Mike Hill, and they are trying to promote minorities and teach them how to be executives so that the CELIG rule doesn't become a big deal in the front office because there are minorities who are capable and really good and want to be hired because they're the best people for the jobs. I'm in. Very much so. But on field, are you telling me that at Brown University, that Olivia was better than every other male who did not make varsity and will add more to the team? This is not like being a kicker or a punter, maybe a pinch runner, I guess. Is it possible that you could have a woman National Football League player who can hit field goals from 47 yards, 52 yards like it's nothing? Maybe. If there were, they'd make the team. It's not like owners say, I will not have a woman on my team. It's not like universities say, I won't have a woman on my team. But universities have the ability, especially if you're brown, to say, hey, we're going to do something. We are going to make sure that we are forwarding the agenda, the equality agenda. I've scouted and seen and been with scouts for many, many years in baseball. There is no female player who would be able to make a major league baseball team. I can easily extrapolate that there is no female player who can make a division one baseball team. But in college, you're able to do something for the example of it. But how does it feel to be that example? From Olivia's standpoint, she is so excited. She's living out her dream. I get it. Her dream was to play men's baseball or just baseball. But wait, there's women's baseball. There are professional leagues. There are places to play. There are teams. If you are good enough to play men's baseball, then try out, make the team. Brown is saying she was good enough to make the team. In my experience in that sport, I have simply never seen it. Is there a woman soccer player? How would you feel during the World Cup if there's a woman who wants to make the men's national team? It's called the men's national team, right? So therefore, women can't play. Just like in the women's national team, it's not like Messi's going to leave Argentina after losing to Saudi Arabia and say, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to play for the women's national team. 
think he'd probably make the team. And this is not me saying that women athletes are not as good as men athletes. It's too, It's like comparing apples and oranges. It's why wrestlers who weigh 130 pounds don't wrestle in a weight class of 180 pounds. Why are there different weight classes? That is discriminatory. There are different weight classes in boxing. Heavyweights, middleweights, lightweights, flyweights, bantamweights. Forget it. I want to be able to fight whoever I want to, whatever weight I want. I'm not angry that she made the team. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be gender equality. I'm not saying pay should be the same or different, although it should be different depending on how much money you're putting, you're making for your owner or for your organization. I'm just saying that when you do something that you are saying you are doing it because you want to show progress. Let me give you another example. How about in baseball? when a woman becomes a GM who may or may not be qualified. I love it because that's very hard to exactly know. Was a woman more qualified than every other man who applied for the job? Do you give a tie to a woman or to a person of color to promote diversity and to promote inclusion? I am in hard stop because I can do anything in the front office to aid, help, hasten the training and experience of someone I bring in, can take someone smart and mold them, make them a good executive. And if the results aren't good, I'm more than happy to fire the person I brought in. But on field is different. There is no question that it is about ability and what are you doing to further your cause when you make an example of someone who may or may not be worthy if they're not worthy you're actually hurting the cause not helping we'll see what happens how much playing time but not surprising that it was brown university Nothing personal pick of the day. We had it. Suns over the Lakers. It's hard to imagine that I would have the Suns giving seven and a half over the Lakers, but I did. And the reason I did is that it's not your ordinary Lakers, and I don't know why the line was only seven and a half. It could have been nine and a half. We still would have won. The Suns won 115-105. I just, you're watching the absolute end of a career for someone like LeBron James and you're watching it get wasted for one of the great franchises ever where they thought they had a big three that everyone was scared of with Westbrook and Davis and James, and they just stink. They've been passed by, by everybody. Tonight, the tanking San Antonio Spurs, who are neither tanking nor bad, are getting six and a half points from the Zion Williamson God. I wish we had taken John Moran Pelicans. I'm taking the points. It's been a very strange season in the NBA. Up is down, down is up. Utah's on top. Lakers are on the bottom. Heat are languishing toward the bottom. It's just terrible. Spurs plus six and a half versus the Pelicans. That is the pick of the day, and we are 133 and 111. All right. That is our show for the day. I promise you we'll be back tomorrow. Until then... It's just business. This is nothing personal.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.